This is the official Caps Chirp Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I am here with that snack, Polly Cupcakes. What up, what up, what up? It is the second week of May, and we're here to talk to you about something. I don't know. <laughs> we're we're digging. We're digging. Digging deep, digging deep. But we you know what? I think we've done I think we've done the fans a service for, you know, uh the content that we're we're still churning out. Absolutely. And and fans, um Hockey Troll deserves a lot of love. He he's set up all kinds of interviews and uh you know, just you know, you can thank him for probably like seventy five percent of what you've been listening to. So you can thank me for about 90 to 99% <laughs> of what you've been fucking listening to because Polly here, if I were to sit Polly in this fucking chair right now, he would have no idea what the fuck's going on on this on the computer. Like Oh, man. yeah, I definitely have uh, I could not run I I can run Excel in uh in, in Microsoft Word. <laughs> I almost had a I almost rage quit the whole podcast just trying to get you to figure out how to plug in that fucking microphone. And into your computer and use. Zoom. I was I was making a very simple mistake. I was I it, it was I, I was overcomplicating things. Yeah, Polly, it fucking says when you enter a Zoom, it says join with computer audio. I mean, there's literally I, I don't even know what the other option is because the reason I was confused is because I thought that meant it was going to use the computer speakers instead of what I plugged in. So I got confused. It was dumb. We've already made fun of me. <laughs> Let's, let's talk about something else. <laughs> All right. Well, Capstans, we've got a great episode for you. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, we're going to go through league news, obviously. I'm sure you've heard of some indiscretions by some now ex-Caps players. We'll cover a little bit of that. Um, a little bit of league news updates, Corona updates, and... I am happy to announce that we have our first, well, our second, technically, second pro to be on the podcast. Right, Polly? A second? Yeah, buddy. Um, yeah. Played pro in Sweden, played juniors in Canada, then NCAA. And D1, then baby. D1, and then he had a like an eight-year seven, career. Seven-year career in the E. Yeah, seven. Yeah. So, so. seven-year career in the coast. Um, a The longest tenured wheeling nailer with the, Which the most – I think are the oldest team in the ECHL, the, the oldest ECHL franchise. There you go. Uh, if not the oldest, they're close. So the fact that he holds that record on the nailers means it's probably close to an ECHL record. Yeah. And it's a long storied franchise. And he also l- holds all time PIMS for uh, the wheeling nailers, which is crazy because the nailers have had some fucking pugilists come through that club any right if that name is familiar to you fans that is where paul bissonette played in the pittsburgh penguin organization so the the wheeling nailers are the echl affiliate of the penguins and they have had some bruisers come through in the last 25 plus years right and 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 well that's we have on is towards the top yes and his name is stefan bernaire He's um, a Swede, and I've been I've had the pleasure of being on the ice with him, watching him coach, watching him uh, mess around a little bit, you know, uh, showing the skills off and whatnot. 
um, he, uh, you know, he came on and, and the big thing was, is that we wanted him on for, to, to, to talk a little bit about hockey in Sweden and why a country of only 10 million people is the third largest represented, uh, nationality in the NHL. And, and honestly, Polly, he kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, well, so I won't give away what he said, but I will tell you that a lot of what he said was similar to what I heard from the Finnish um, style because I went to a coaching clinic a couple years ago, and, T- and USA Hockey was trying to – they brought some, some Finnish coaches over, and they were explaining the way they train and the way they view the game, and their system seemed very similar to the Swedish system. Right. Uh, so I was a little more familiar with it, but I, I can tell you that I agree completely with the changes he thinks USA Hockey needs to make because I think it's definitely a, a better system for developing talent, and I think it's also probably more fun. It probably eliminates a lot of the crazy parents by doing it this way. Absolutely. So stick tight for that. Uh, we won't... We won't uh... We won't talk too much before, but we do have a major announcement, Polly. Um, you know, I've been working pretty hard on this. I've been networking and, and getting this thing done. But if you'll notice, I'm wearing some pretty sick merch right now. Um, I know it's probably turned around because I use the front facing camera uh, to do our stuff, but I'm wearing a hockey troll pod or a hockey troll uh, hoodie right now. And, you know, the, the Caps Chirp podcast has its own merch store Polly Polly show him show him your logo check this out Polly shit's fucking hot look at that <laughs> that's hold on hold on wait put it back up put it back up yeah let's fucking go let's go it's so like straight straight down to my uh my Twitter picture yeah so you know we each have our own logo and we each have uh, and then we have some caps chirp stuff. Uh, we just have a lot of, a lot of stuff on there. I mean, there's tons of options. I don't know if it's too much or if it's too little, you know, please check it out. Uh, the URL is caps chirp dot what for apparel.com. Big shout out to what for apparel for hooking us up with some samples and, and with the ability to really create our own website that not only has our merch, but it has our Instagram, our Twitter, and our, our SoundCloud feed. And Hockey Troll drafted up some pretty good bios about us oh, yeah. on there. Uh, and some, <laughs> Check out the about you can see section. Some, yeah, some pictures of us from our glory days. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I've got I've got you. Your, your face is cut. Um I'm touching an attackman's butt, so it's, it's a it's a lacrosse picture. But then we have some action shots of us in an attorney down in Denison. So some good, you know, puck carrying <laughs> head up. Yeah, I think I'm just I think I'm just gooning it up. I don't yeah, think I'm it's actually... just a good action shot. Yeah, but it was just you know it's tough to get a good shot of like the logo and the face and not be in a weird position. And feel free to admire the college hair because yeah. My college flow was unbeatable. There's no, I, I, I mean, I'm willing to go up against anyone in the entire fucking world on college flow. 
You did have some good college flow. You yeah. did. The lettuce that, was so raw. That that busted face I have, that was from uh, a collision in the, the top of my helmet came down and busted my nose open. It was real great. Yeah. Paul, you gotta, you gotta make sure that shit fits tight. Get that chin strap. The- I probably wear my helmet tighter than most people, and it still happened. I, don't, <laughs> I can't, I can't stand those guys that it looks like their helmet would like pop off with the wind. Right. If you wear your helmet like that, you're a dick. Tighten your chin strap. <laughs> you can tell, Polly. Polly was was one for the physical contact, not for the wheeling and dealing. <laughs> yeah. If I, yeah, when I got goals, it's because I came in like a freaking rhino, just <laughs> using body weight and leverage. I wasn't dangling dudes. All right. All right. And uh, so we also have to talk about the coolhockey.com contest that the Hockey Podcast Network is hosting right now. You guys go to coolhockey.com, purchase a jersey before June 1st. Uh, use our link, which is coolhockey.com slash THPN so that we can track your order. Also use code THPN, net yourself a hot 30% off anything that you buy, except for, I think it, it excludes like the mystery boxes and like youth jerseys. Um, then tweet at hockeypodnet, which jersey you ordered, and you will be automatically entered to win um, a $175 gift card for coolhockey.com and bonus you'll be welcomed on as a guest for your favorite podcast so if you're a Caps fan aka a smart motherfucker you will one get a jersey from coolhockey.com slash THPN two use code THPN to get 30% off three tweet uh, what jersey you bought or DM at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. Um, and then if you win, you'll get $175 gift card for CoolHockey.com, which is basically another jersey. So, you know, you can do me. You can be like me. You can get the OV jersey and the Beagle jersey, you know, 8 and 83. Or, or and you'll be able to come on and shoot the shit with Hockey Troll and Poly Cupcakes, your two favorite podcasters. Can't beat that. You really can't. I mean, you know, money is one thing. Money only gets you so much, right, Polly? Right. So much satisfaction. Runs out. Right. You know, money only gives you so much satisfaction. The memories that we will make when you win, priceless. Exactly. <laughs> you'll, be you'll be telling your grandkids about the time you were guest spot on Cap's Chirp with Polly Cupcakes and Hockey Troll. With hockey troll and poly cupcakes, but yeah. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So check the contest out. Do it. Check our merch out. You know, um, we don't make a lot of money doing this. Actually, we've made very little. uh, We we made enough to buy a case of beer. Yeah. (laughs) Not that we're in it for the money. We're in it to fucking talk to you guys about hockey and the caps in particular. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of nice. And plus, you will be... The talk of the town, the bell of the ball, the envy of all your friends because of your sophistication and style when you wear the Caps Chirp gear. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I, I, I really mean, don't. I mean, I'm telling you, Polly's telling you, go out and do it. Do it. All right. Oh, man, after spewing all that bullshit, I think I need a drink. Yep.
One, two, three. All right. I, I, to be completely honest, I'd, I'd start. I, we always start drinking before we pop tabs, and then and now that the secret's out because we filmed the podcast, I don't I don't really know what to what to say about that, Polly. But you know, it's yeah, it's just ceremonial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. It has no real purpose except for like nostalgia at this point, right? <laughs> and it's kind of a cool thing, you know. It's it's, it's been a signature. It's been a signature. It is. I mean, it's time. it's like uh, you know some TV shows. We'll have like the opening scene and then the song and then get back into the episode. That's kind of like what we're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, well, folks, I guess, I mean, I've been, we've had to, we got to fucking talk about this shit, but before, you know, we got some bad news. Um, but before just some real quick league news, international play officially postponed for the entire year there will be no world cup of hockey that's how i took it right it was a kind of a weird blurp that came through the news uh paulie is that how you're taking it you know actually i didn't see this press release was it from um nhl it was from the nhl okay yeah so that would it's be world the cup world cup because it's right. the only thing they're affiliated with exactly um which is disappointing because i forgot it was this year and just now reading that note, yeah, I'm pretty sad because the World Cup was fun. Um, I personally think that hockey needs a World Cup and pros in the Olympics. You know, you just have a big well, international tournament every two years. Uh, but, yeah, that's disappointing. It also could have been like a good segue between the postponed season and the or the, the finishing this season and the postponement of next season. But with all this going on, I can see why they're not prioritizing it. Right, because it, I would assume that it's going to butt up against the beginning of the next season. Yeah, right? I mean, maybe they'll, maybe they'll do it in 2001 and then just wait three years for the next one. Well, I, that's what they said, that it will be postponed just one year. So yeah. 2021 is probably going to be the next World Cup of hockey. And you say they played only every two years? No, no. I if 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 the pros got to play in the Olympics, we would have the Olympics – Two years later, World Cup. Two years later, Olympics. Two years later, World Cup. Like, oh. they, they'd be alternating. Right. So, like so each, but each tournament is four years apart, but because of uh, the way they're, where they're placed, it's every two years for the viewer. Gotcha. 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 Uh, I, I just, I can't believe that the World Cup of Hockey was four years ago already. I know. Nuts, man nuts you're sure uh, that the world cup of hockey is only four years apart it's not every year no that's world championships in may right okay which, which is hosted by the iihf right um but so no koozie yeah yeah no koozie for a long time um but um the world cup it, it hasn't always been there I mean, like, right? It, it seemed like, and I don't know if the NHL has always hosted it or if the IIHF used to, but you know, they talk about USA winning the World Cup in '96. That was like one of the bigger moments in USA hockey history. Yeah, but but I I think there's only been a couple World Cups between '96 and the last one. Like, there were definitely it wasn't every four years the way soccer is. Like, they just let it go to the wayside, and then Bettman brought it back. Yeah, and it was going to be like a NHL sponsored Olympics, which I don't know. That's what I've never been a huge fan of the whole World Cup every four years. I, I just never. 
it just seemed like you, you might as well just get it all done in, in, in the Olympics. But at the same time, if you're going to do it where it's like NHL and then the Olympics, I'm cool with that because I enjoy the Olympics without pros. I'm going to be, I'm probably in the minority here, but you know, having Germany and Russia square off for a gold medal. I mean, I still enjoyed the tournament. Just the fact that USA sucked, that was a bummer. But yeah, it, I, I like that it opened up other teams. And actually, um, Great Britain should have been in the World Championships this year in the top tier. Yeah. But it got canceled, so they can't. But that would even open it up for teams like that, possibly qualify them or I think um, South Korea was oh, in the yeah. World Championships a couple years ago. Yeah, or they... Oops. I think Sorry. I think it well no it was either South Korea or Kazakhstan. I'm, okay. I'm getting the case confused, but anyway, I think it's going to open up the opportunity for more countries to get in. So I'm I'm not too hardcore on pros being in the Olympics. USA just needs to step up their game if they're going to not include the pros. USA um, hockey is fucking trash. I mean, you knew that in the last Olympics that they were going to get steamrolled. They probably weren't going to win a single game. Just looking at that roster, they're the oldest. They're the oldest like roster by far, and like it was captained by Brian Gianta. Yeah, um, who Gianta was a good player. Don't get me wrong, but but yeah, to, I mean he he was there just for the, the 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 leadership, the experience, and for his own selfish reasons, and that was to get back into the NHL for another two years. Right, and yeah, I th- I think we talked about this before, but next time they should basically just throw in like the NCAA All Star team, <laughs> right? Like, just yeah, just throw our best college guys at them because they're going to compete better than that ragtag like some AHL, some college, some Swedish league. Right, and eight. to and, and and it's crazy because they're like, okay, no NHL players, but still AHL pros can go like. Well, know. that's just because the IA, IIHF isn't saying no. The NHL is refusing to go. It's not like right. the Olympics are banning pros. Right. Yeah. So really, and the, I, the I NHL is just you know taking themselves out of the equation, which just opens up the opportunity for other other leagues to be uh, exposed. Sure. And all right. Well, you know, enough about that for now. Um, it's international hockey's kind of been in a crazy thing, uh, lately. Right. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I'm not, I, I, I didn't, like I said though, I I didn't hate in like, like you were saying every two years having an international showcase would be sick. It would, especially if, if the NHL is not included in the Olympics, it would give us different people to see. So it wouldn't be the same tournament. So it, it would still be high level and exciting, but it'd be new every time. Right. And, you know, folks, I mean, with with the amount of expansion that the NHL has gone through, you just saw what the Vegas Knights did last year or on in 2018 and even last year, how they've created an entire, you know, good hockey team out of what was supposedly second and third liners. Imagine that, that same theory across the entire world. There are hockey players out there that have not gotten a shot to be showcased on a large stage. And right. not only are they good, they're fucking great. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the flower just needs more sunlight, and it's just as pretty as all the other ones. Oh, wow. What a beautiful metaphor there. 
Polly. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I was real good at the analogies on the SATs. <laughs> okay. Not um, really. <laughs> did our school even eat- require an SAT? Yeah, I didn't take the SAT. I took the ACT. Yeah, but did it? I don't even think. Uh, I took the SAT, and this was before there was a written section. In West Virginia, you can take either one. Mm. I'm pretty sure. What did you get on your ACT? Uh, nothing special. It was like a 24. Oh yeah, it's pretty good though. Yeah, I mean um, it was it was above average. I think I took the. ACT in like seventh grade. Jesus. Yeah, it's just like a thing. Like they were sitting, I remember because I was some smart kid or some bullshit, uh, and this was when I was living in Nebraska. I took the ACT and I think I got like, uh, I don't know, a, a 17. That's not, I mean, that's not terrible for a seventh grade. Yeah. That's pretty, it's pretty good actually. Maybe it was an 11. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's anyway, a little different I remember telling somebody the score back when I had it or somebody mm-hmm. was saying my score and they were like that's pretty good I know people in high school that didn't graduate with that probably so, the 17 then yeah right well yeah in any case I think I only got like an 1190 on the SAT and that was before the writing section so 1600 was the was the highest score of the SAT at that point yeah so I'm not saying that you're listening to a genius right now, but pff, standardized testing proves that I'm pretty fucking smart. Might not be a genius, but you're a prodigy. <laughs> um. All right. So I've been avoiding this, but let's fucking talk about it. Brennan Leipzig. <sighs> you done fucked up, kid. You fucked up bad. Um. I don't know. Polly, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, properly handled by the club or no? Um, <clears throat> I think they would have a really hard time justifying keeping him with the amount of outrage and as the NHL is moving towards hockey for everyone, the fact that the well, I mean, the not only was he was saying bad stuff about his team, which was screwed up, and he was yeah. saying some bad stuff about some other dudes, but what really got was some very chauvinistic, you know, piggish comments. And I think as the NHL tries to be more inclusive, that if someone gets exposed for something like this, they, they just, it was a smart move by the caps. I think, I think they are going in line with the NHL's mission. Yeah. And I just actually got done doing an interview with Michael Farley from a clean skate podcast and they, he reps the uh, Dallas stars on the hockey podcast network. He wanted to talk a little bit about this. Obviously we talked a lot about the caps um, and this was kind of just his, his in, you know, to, to get at yeah. me, he told me, but uh, you know, <laughs> he, um, you know, uh, he, he brought up that, you know, Peterson this year, Babcock just for being mean, you know. I mean, yeah, those guys lost their job. Yeah, you know, um, it seems like there is a precedent here. Yeah, and I thought of it would really stink though if he loses his career over this completely because Mike Hoffman, he's still around and he, well, I mean, he didn't. I guess he. 
he didn't actually yeah. do it, but I don't think that's a proper. I don't think that correlates. I it, it's similar, uh, but I don't but think I mean, it's tracks yeah. because that's like his wife uh, or his girlfriend saying crazy stuff to crazy vile things to to the point where they had to go and and get her like get the law involved. Yeah, well, so, oh, I mean, I mean, if he had to get the law involved, then he still has a career. Um. But it wasn't him. Know. Yeah, you're right. Um, that, that, uh, whether just, he condoned it, I, I I don't even want to get into that. But yeah, you, you here's the thing: he got caught red-handed. He got, I mean, there, and he admitted it was his, that he did it. So yeah, uh, the decision's pretty fucking simple. The bottom line is, is that he's been on th- like th- four teams in the past three years. He's a replacement level league minimum player yeah you know so you're already kind of like a nobody a -hmm. replacement level player not a nobody you know i respect all fourth liners in the nhl especially on the caps i mean depth is huge in the nhl but you're already what's called a replacement level player aka there's a ton of you vying for position um you know I can think Travis Boyd right now is licking his chops saying I'm no longer a black diamond. I'm in. Yeah. And I think Travis Boyd has better hands and finishing ability. Maybe not the speed, but the size, better hands and finishing ability to take Leipzig's um, place. And, you know, I'm not completely going to sandbag. I mean, I'm going to sandbag Leipzig right now, but you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I was a huge proponent for him. I called for him getting more ice time. I loved his game. I've gassed this guy up all season, all season long. And I even feel when this news broke, I felt kind of guilty and shitty about being so high on him throughout Mm -hmm. the whole season. And I think that that feeling alone tells you all you need to know about this situation. If I'm feeling that way, me, a dickhead, (laughs) feeling that way about a guy that I've talked highly of before and saying, you know, now I've completely 180, don't think he's a good guy, think he's kind of a douche, an absolute douche as a matter of fact, and it deserves to not play on this team. That's I think that that gut feeling alone in in my mind says all you need to know about that situation, right? Yeah, um, he. Uh, I mean, really, the only place he has a future is maybe Russia. <laughs> I mean, they'll put right. up with that um, F- for real. I, I don't I, think he's going to play in the NHL anymore. Um, I, his brother um, has been. I think it was uh, the Moose. Or uh, fuck, I I can't even remember what his Man- college Manitoba Moose. Yeah, the or no, I think I don't know. He's in a he's he was playing high level college somewhere. He's out. Um, no word on the other pro that was in on it. Uh, at least that not that I know. Um, but from what I know, Leipzig was put on waivers, cleared waivers. Obviously, nobody picked him up, and now he's not an NHLer. Uh, the contract's been terminated. I guess. And his brother so, suffered the same fate as far as being kicked off his team that he was currently playing on. I guess as as you say that, uh, I do have one observation. 
if he wasn't a replacement level player, he would get another chance, which that that is an unfair reality. Do you think so though? Yeah, I do. Um somewhere. I mean, so, he I think he would somewhere. But I have to agree. You know, I'm I'm no angel. I'm not a bleeding heart. But uh, when I read that conversation, I was cringing a lot. Um, oh, so really? Cringe. Like they, they so were—they're—they're they're really shallow people. Uh, um, it was just terrible to hear them say those kind of things about people. Well, and the thing is, though, Polly, is that I think that why this affected so many people was that it hit so close to so many people. Either you've yeah. been witness to this type of talk. Or you've been victim of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we talk, when, when this news broke, I was like, yo, man, we've been a part of group chats that are kind of like this. And mm-hmm. we're not anymore because we stopped taking part in it, partly because right. of this, right? right. Um, and I just, you know, I, um, it's it's an unfortunate situation and, and, and it's shitty, but I think that he got what he deserved. Yeah. And I thought it was real. It, you can't you can't fat shame a pregnant lady or a late a woman just off of birth. That's like that's a that's one of the biggest no nos I can think of. You know that that woman yeah. just did something extraordinary. Like, come on. Well, and then uh, and and then there's people that are like, it's just freedom of speech and blah 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 blah. And and I that's a, that's a fucking straw man if I've ever heard one because he's not being persecuted by the government. Nobody no, is yeah, taking th- criminal action towards him. He's not in trouble with the law. Neither are Bill Peterson and Mike Babcock. Yeah, but he, since he the, represents uh, something bigger than himself, an organization, he had to go. Exactly. The Bill of Rights protects you from the government, not mm-hmm. from society shunning you. Right. I mean, you you go into New York City and have a sign that says. Uh, 9-11 was fake and the NYPD are scum and you make it halfway through Manhattan without getting your ass kicked, <laughs> you know, you've, you've accomplished something. You're not making yeah. that. And, and that's just society. You know, there's a reason that we have society and, and there's that, that, that is what society is, is function is, is to correct outliers. Um, exactly. You know, so society has done their job here, and in my eyes, you correct the fucking problem. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I, what I would have to say to people who want to stand on their soapbox and talk about freedom of speech and in in his own privacy, the lesson I grabbed here is if you're if you're a professional, if you have hopes of being a professional, if you have any type of brand, anything in the public view. You do not put stuff like that in writing, even if it's a private information, private email conversation. So many people have their information leaked. People hack in and find naked pictures of famous people. If you, if, if you are in these positions, someone's trying to steal your information. So be smart enough to not say these things, even if you are a piece of shit and you think these things. Don't put right. them in writing because then you can't deny it. Exactly. Um, you know, and uh, good riddance. You know, like I said, we'll find somebody to, uh, Caps fans, don't be sad, which I'm sure the majority of you aren't. We'll Bring find somebody DSP. else. 
Right. DSP. Bring DSP back. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if you just look at it from an objective team performance view, we're really not out that many things. How many breakaways did you see Brennan Leipzig flub? So many. Yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't have a whole lot of like highlights to even talk about. Right. Zero finishing ability by that kid. Uh, yeah. to be completely honest, I mean, the dudes, I, the, the dudes got a shot that I think any high schooler could fucking match. <laughs> I hate to say yeah. it and I hate to fucking rip him and kick him while he's down here. But well, no, I don't because you know, that's prime real estate for me, but you know, yeah. I, <laughs> get him in the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, he, he, he he got himself into as a player. He got himself into position to score and never did. Yeah, you know he's he's a you know he's got a less he's got a lower finishing rate than I do in beer league. Yeah, and most of your uh, goals are, or most of your shots are closer to being a field goal with how high they go than actually being a, a goal. Yeah, well, if you're not going bar down, what the fuck are you doing though? If it's if it's not bar down, don't even, don't even count it. Right. I mean. I've, I could score so many goals if, if I, if I actually aimed, but I'm, I'm always going bar down, bar down ski only. Listen, this is not, this is not a team friendly idea, but, (laughs) um, when, when I shoot, if I'm not going to score, if I, if I, if I get a hold of a ripper, sometimes (laughs) I want, like, if, if the goalie's going to make the save anyway, I'd rather miss the net or hit the post just so people can hear how loud it is. Be like, man, he fucking ripped that one. (laughs) Little ego boost, you know. Because <laughs> sometimes if you rip it and it hits the goalie's pads, and you might as well be in a muffin. No one has any idea. Right, right. You're you're right, and now I know, Polly, as to why you're always missing the net. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm trying to get into little corners and little tiny openings because it'll be sick if it goes in, and if not, I'm missing. And everybody's like, well, at least you shot it all right. <laughs> Well, you know what they say: aim small, miss small. But with you, I was gonna aim small, miss big. (laughs) I was gonna say that actually. I I just watched the Patriot the other day. It's always on TV. It's on like three different channels all the time. Is that what it's from? The Patriot? Yeah, it's it's the scene when he takes his two like middle sons and they Mm -hmm. just massacre that whole like I don't know what the word battalion's probably too big, just like a like a platoon. Platoon, yeah. It's like 20 dudes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, there's there's your dose of history, too, Caps fans. <laughs> yeah. Well, the movie's pretty... It's not necessarily the most historically accurate thing, but it's an enjoyable flick. Right. Well, getting us back on track here. We've been talking for like 35 minutes already. Um, you know, good riddance sprint in Leipzig, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm not upset to see him go, and uh, I hope he improves himself as a person after experiencing this. Absolutely. Well, let's talk some caps, some some actual caps here, huh? Yeah, we're gonna talk about your boy. So tell us about the patron saint. We're gonna talk about Pittsburgh's favorite capital, Saint <laughs> Thomas, Willie. Tom Wilson. Uh, we all love him. He's physical. 
He's able to contribute on offense. He plays defense. He'll fight. So we're just going to talk about some of the highlights in his career. Um, he played for the Plymouth Whalers in the OHL from 2010-2013. He was drafted by the Caps in a 2012 draft, number 16 overall, first round. Uh, hell of a draft pick. Yeah. Um, and so he went back and played one more year with uh, Plymouth. And then he made his NA, or his pro debut in the 2013 playoffs once he was done with the OHL. Played three games for Hershey, ended up getting one goal. They got eliminated from the playoffs, and then he got called up to Washington. Played three games um, in the series against the Rangers. So his debut in the NHL was May 10th, 2013, game five of the second round against the Rangers. They did end up losing that series, and he had zero points. Uh, Not a lot of ice time either there. No, no. Um, Just just giving him some samples. Mm -hmm. But that's a good guy to have in in the playoffs, even if he wasn't super experienced because he's a big body and, you know, he's Tommy. Yeah, exactly. Um, So then his first full season was 13-14. He was 19 years old, and he played all 82 games. He did only have 10 points, three goals, seven assists, 151 penalty minutes, which was seventh in the NHL. boy. So um, he made his name, physicality, and he's, he's stepped up the, the offense since then. Uh, but his first regular season, he had two fights in the preseason, 2013. But Tommy's first fight was October 3rd, 2013, against Lance Buma of Calgary. It was a pretty good fight. It was in Washington, and uh, Willie got some good left-hand jabs, grabbed the jersey, and was just, you know, those choppy little short yeah, he's, hits. He's pro at that. Like, yeah. getting guys off. He's so strong that he, like, one-inch punches Bruce Lee style with the jersey yeah. in hand. And that's how you know a dude is strong as hell, when he yeah, can just like, stiff arm you. Yeah, I feel like it's the same effect of boxing, getting your body shots in. Right. Um, you know, you're just kind of wearing the guy down. He forgets about the haymaker. Sure. Absolutely. Um, in that fight, they got a little tangled up and he finished the fight by basically throwing the guy over his leg. He like stuck his right leg out to trip him and then just like threw him down. To the ground. It was like a, like, like a hip a, toss. A cur- yeah. It, I mean, it was like a <laughs> martial arts takedown. <laughs> um, so, uh, he, he, he started his fighting career off with a bang. And uh, a little over a month later, he had his first NHL goal and first NHL sit- assist in the same game against the Islanders. He assisted um, an Alexander Erbaum goal. I remember him. Yeah. And uh, his assist, his first NHL point was, or I'm sorry, the assist was first, but his, his first goal was assisted by Ovi and Mikhail Grabowski. Yeah. Um, that's a so name pretty, the Caps fans probably remember. Grabowski, Jesus. Uh, two two goal night against the Isles, and then his one hundredth point again was against the Isles. This time he was they were in the Barclays Center. He had an apple on an Orlov goal. This was March fifteenth, two thousand eighteen. So he's been uh, took him five years to get the hundredth point, but yeah, that's because he focused first part of his career on the physical side. 
And you know what? It's crazy that he's been in the league for almost six years now. Right. You know, he's got 522 games under his belt. Right. And it's he's crazy. got 188 points, 78 goals, 110 assists. That's not terrible. Um, I mean, it's a game, a goal every two and a half games, I'd say. Yeah. That's what it looks like. He's got 1,027 penalty minutes. And then in the playoffs, 69. Nice. nice. <laughs> uh, 11 goals, 14 assists, which if you can do math is 25 points and 105 penalty minutes. So pretty good numbers in uh, the playoffs as well. And he stays pretty active in the box. St. Thomas, Pittsburgh's sweetheart, our favorite Toronto boy. And man, he's beautiful. He really is. He's a good looking guy. He is. Uh, and yeah. you know, I mean, you look at this guy and his his skating ability, his speed, and his physicality were the things that got him to the show. And I remember watching him his first year of consistent playing in the NHL thinking, holy fuck, this is a guy that is such a gifted hitter. Yeah. And I don't think hockey fans who've, ever, who've never played the game really understand how great of a skater you have to be to check efficiently. And I've, I've said this before on our podcast that hitting is, is more than just reckless abandonment. It's about being able to, to keep up and skate with your target and then land as much punishment as possible. And he's, he was hitting big dude, dudes bigger than him. You know, he's, he's a big kid, right? He's like six, three, two twenty. Okay. He's a big dude still, but I mean, being able to lay the body and then back it up as a rookie, being able to fight. I mean, he was undefeated for years, 19 years old. He did that. And he was I mean, fighting heavyweights. Seasoned heavyweights. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, he doesn't, he's, he stays away from that stuff now. He's made big improvements and, and, you know, the, the league has really trashed him. I think fan bases around the league really trashed him. Um, he's gotten so many penalties for just hitting too hard, all clean hits, but they were just so devastating and violent. I feel that he kind of, he, he really just kind of got, uh, the short end of the stick because it'd been a long time since a hit, a hitter like that, a body checker that was so gifted had graced the NHL. And it's it's a part of the game that is often overlooked as a skill. It it seems yeah. like people who hit are goons and then they fight, right? But yeah, body checking is one of the hardest things to do, first of all, because it hurts when you hit somebody. Yeah. You know? It does. You're still getting hurt. And on top of that, being able to, to throttle and run through somebody takes so much core strength and stability on your skates. Uh, not to mention the speed that you have to quickly get without taking a charging penalty. Um, right. So, you know, not only has Willie adapted his game uh, or whip, as they call him, adapted his game to change, to, to, to still keep that physical edge. But also now he's scoring. You know, a lot of his points have come the past few seasons. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, and and you know, if if you're gonna, I mean, it, it, I see a lot of outsiders who aren't Cavs fans and and mostly P- Pittsburgh Penguins fans say, well, you know, 
Tom Wilson's a trash can. He needs to adapt his game like Matt Cook did. For you to even equate bumfuck Matt Cook, shit bum extraordinaire, cheap shot, cut you in the Achilles with your fucking skate, uh, cheap shot artist, bum Matt Cook, to a Tom Wilson who has edges on Matt Cook, both in skill, skating ability, and physicality, reassess your life. Yeah, I mean, Matt Cook's skill set was... Non-existent. It was on the level of, like, Bissonette or Ryan Reeves. Tom Wilson can fight those guys, but is in the skill set of, like, a first-liner on pretty much any team. Right. I'll fight you and then go bury. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas Matt Cook and Ryan Reeves would go fight and then go back to the bench and sit there for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, and they might get a goal every now and then, but they weren't putting up the kind of points that Tom Wilson was. Right. So, you know what? I think Tom Wilson's uh, a dying breed. Uh, power forwards of his caliber are no longer in the league. People aren't drafting for that anymore. So to see that it's great, you know, um, I think that any new guy who's been in the league now that I could even really even remotely compare would be like Pajot on the senators, big body, physical presence, nowhere near the physical presence of Tom Wilson though. Like I feel like Tom Wilson still has an edge in Pajot, in everything except possibly sniping. Well, I think um, even though he might not be as big, Matt Kachuk kind of plays like Tom Wilson. Yeah, but that's um, some rat shit. That's not physically yeah. outmanning in every instance. You know what I mean? There's there's not a lot of players like Tom Wilson who can just go at you physically and win every time. Yeah, you know, as much as it pains me to say this, one of the only other guys that's probably comparable is Jamie Benn. <laughs> yeah, and but Jamie Ben even is more skill. Yeah. Um, and I think that I and here's the best part about Tom Wilson. He's young, and I don't think that his scoring ability and his his point making ability is at its peak yet. We already know he can play physically. We already know he yeah. can skate. We already know he can check. That was his gift. But I think that his crash the net ability and his 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 wherewithal with the puck and his sniping his finishing ability and playmaking ability still has another step. So for Castans, it's a great thing. Plus I've heard he's a great presence in the locker room, a great leader. We're probably looking at another captain here in the, in, in the, after the Ovechkin era. Yeah. I'd love to see it. And that goes with how the caps pick their captains, you know, Dale Hunter back in the day, uh, at what he started out in a different spectrum, real, a scorer, and then kind of moved into uh, a little bit more of a, a crazy man. But, you know, kind of the same type of guy that you like to see with the C on the Capitol squad. A physical presence, gritty, plays on the edge, also scores. Yeah. Good job there, Polly. And, uh, you know, I think that we should tell the fans. I mean, I don't know if they can see you, but what's up with that face, dude? It so, looks, like, looks like a bunch I, uh, of Day Puff marshmallows. Yeah. I look bad. Um, <laughs> I decided to shave my beard. Oh, uh, thanks, yeah. thank, thanks to Manscaped for my trimmer. I used uh, my first use of Manscaped was to trim down to stubble, and then I finished off with a razor. 
but uh, as you can see, pretty clean looking. Um, I don't like the way it looks just because I think my face looks bad without a beard, but Polly Cupcake's got the naked chin going, uh, and uh, you know, Manscaped hooking us up. You guys got to check them out. Absolutely. Polly, I think that you've you've lost three pounds, but also lost five years. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. again, folks, manscaped.com, uh, one of our sponsors, has the lawnmower 3.0 out right now. Polly has used it on both his butt balls, or all three of his butt balls and his face, right, Polly? Yeah, you can even <laughs> shave your toes with it if you need to. Get those um, hairs around your nipple. Go to manscaped.com, use code THPN, and get 20% off plus free shipping. That's manscaped.com, use code THPN, enjoy 20% off and free shipping. Thank us later, huh? Yeah, you could look beautiful like me. <laughs> so this is this is really kind of wrapping up to be a, a pretty long episode but let's get right into something that I've been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, our interview with ECHL legend, Stefan Brenner, uh, six seasons with the Wheeling Nailers. That's a record. 677 penalty minutes with the Wheeling Nailers. That's a record. Seven total years in the, in the, in the coast. Uh, four years playing D1. He lets us in on some information about how Swedish hockey is just so much better for development than the North America style. Uh, stay tuned. It's a great, it's a great, uh, interview. I learned a lot, had a lot of fun. He kind of opened up to some great ECHL memories and, uh, he actually offered to come back on once this whole lockdown stops. So we're definitely going to have him back on. We hope you guys enjoy this, uh, this interview. Thank us later again for that. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the hockey troll. I'm here with that snack, Polly Cupcakes, and we are blessed to have uh, a really special guest, um, a guy who I've had the pleasure of hanging out with and doing some coaching with, um, and has had an extensive career in the ECHL along with being a uh, D1 hockey player. And the cool thing is that he hails from Sweden, so he's going to be able to give us a nice insight into how hockey works in Sweden. Uh, please welcome Stefan Brunner, hailing from Petio, Sweden, um, played it, played at uh, Providence, Rhode Island College, did seven seasons in the ECHL, six with the Wheeling Nailers, which is a record, and one with the Roanoke Express. He still holds the penalty minute record for the Wheeling Na Nailers at 677 penalty minutes. Steph, thanks a lot, man, for coming on. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Should be a good time. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you know, I've, I've, since I've started this podcast, I've definitely had you, um, in the back of my mind, like we got to get Steph on. And now that we're, uh, we're here during this crazy time with COVID and, uh, you know, everybody seems to have a little bit more free time. I figured 
this is the perfect, perfect time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man. I mean, what we really want to know is, I mean, you know, the big thing is, is that Sweden, we were talking in the pre-interview here, that is the third largest um, nationality represented in the NHL, even though they have a population of only 10 million, you know, I mean, which is tiny compared to Canada and the U.S. who who are one in, or two in one, respectively. So, you know, could you just kind of walk us through the ideology of, of Swedish hockey, um, why they produce so many good players and, and kind of your journey growing up? Yeah, and and, uh, and again, like we talked about before, I'm pretty passionate about the way they they train and, and how they go about things over there. For sure. me, it was kind of natural getting started. My dad uh, was a hockey coach until he was 70 years old. Wow! So he he coached at every level that was over there, and okay. uh, I kind of hung around. And uh, I used to go to every practice with him, no matter what team he, he uh, coached. And uh, sometimes I'd be hanging out on the bench the entire practice, and sometimes I had a chance to go out and skate with them. But, um, but I was always around the rink. Sure. And uh, the biggest difference, I think, and, and uh, everything you do over there is about training. You know, games, my first two years of playing, started playing when I was, started skating when I was two or three, and then started playing when I was five. But in my mm-hmm. first two years, we didn't play any games. Huh. And then we went to uh, my third year, we played one game. And my fourth year, we played two games. So <laughs> uh, playing games was never important. That's crazy. And how we did in the games wasn't important either, really. It was all about the training, all about practicing, and putting in the daily work. And over here... There's such a focus, and a lot of that comes from, I think, uh, football and the importance of a short season in football. Right. I mean, the, the kids play, what, 10 games a year? So yeah. Every game that. is so important. And they kind of carry that over into hockey and every other sport, too. Whereas, it when, when you're growing up, I, I don't know if... Uh, anyone's going to remember if you won, you know, seven or, or 10 games when you were 12 years old. Right. <laughs> so a much, a much greater focus should be put on practicing and doing things right and not worry so much about the outcome in games and shortening the benches and, and putting your best team out there with 12 year olds. Right. Again, I mean, you don't have a single clue who's going to turn out to be a player or not. Even when they're 15 or 16, you still don't know. That's why the draft is such a, you know, you get what? 10 sure bets in the right. first round. Yeah. And and that's about it. After that, it's a crapshoot. So, yeah. so even when they're 18, you don't really have any idea who's going to turn out to be a player. Yeah. Because I mean... they're... There's so many other things that matters outside of talent. And, uh, you know, when you get into the grind of a, of a long professional season, then things really start uh, narrowing things down for you, how bad you really want it. <laughs> sure. Um, 
you know, it's it's funny you say that because on the Hockey Podcast Network that we're a part of, we actually have Terry Ryan, um, who has a who has a show, and his whole his whole claim to fame was that he's like, uh, and he admits it that uh, he's a first round draft pick by the the Habs, and he fizzled yes. out, you know, played a handful of games in the show, and then kind of like got did didn't make it, you know, and. Uh, he admits that it's kind of, it was, you know, how he was as, and he maybe wasn't as dedicated and, and things like that. So he kind of relied on talent apparently to get up there. And, uh, and, and once, I mean, the rubber hit the road, it, it might've not been for him, you know? Yeah. But anymore in those days, a lot more was dependent on what you were doing. Everything was on you. Now <laughs> every organization put so much time and effort into you right. and trying to make it work for you. They put you, and, and I think they're doing a much better job than what they used to do. They try to put you in a situation where you can succeed instead of just throwing you out there when you're not ready for it. Right. And no. sometimes that can be the worst thing. So if you're a first rounder and they just throw you out there and expect you to perform right away, some guys just take longer to develop than others. doesn't mean you won't get there or that you're stupid or less talented. It just means it'll take a little bit longer. That's all. Absolutely. And they understand that so much more now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it's funny because I feel like after I stopped playing competitively, you know, not to say that I was a caliber player that you are or anything close, but you know, hockey is a game about constantly learning. It doesn't matter how old you are. You know, I mean, I still, I, I think I got better after I stopped playing yep. competitively, you know, got, you know, able to think about things and, and not worry about getting hit and whatnot, you know? No. And I think when you and I grew up, they, <laughs> they would say about, yeah, I, you know, this kid has a good shot. This kid has good hockey awareness. Now they all know that you can improve all of that. It's not <laughs> right. like before it was just, okay, this kid, uh, his, uh, his shot sucks. <laughs> All right. Now they take that and they say, okay, so we got to improve it. Before they would just say, okay, his shot sucks. And that's, that's a knock on him. It's never going right. to get any better. So that's one of the things I think is really improved. Awesome. For the game and, and just how organizations pursue things. Right. So, I mean, um, you know, I guess what age did you know that you had a shot to kind of go past playing for fun? Because uh, you said, you know, Sweden, it's very much training and, and everything like that. But, like, at one point you had to get in front of somebody, right? And and you had to know at least a little bit that you were going to be somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and it was – when you're 15 over there, there's a big tournament – and it's televised, and uh, every region or every state has their own team. So it's pretty competitive to to make the team. And uh, there's like 30 different regions in Sweden. So, okay. so I didn't make my team. <laughs> okay. And and uh, so you're taking what 30 regions times 20, 25 guys. Yeah. From my age group, I had, you know, at least 600 guys ahead of me, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, right. So so at that point in time, that 
there's a lot of uh, kids that quit playing for that because of that disappointment because you're putting in so much time and, and effort into it and then you don't make the team and it's a pretty big deal you get you, you practice all summer long with that team and they try to really make you better right so for me I knew what their schedule was like and I practiced twice as much as that and uh, in two years when I was 15 and 16 I put on about 200 pounds of my squat and okay. I think that that in itself uh, made me uh, competitive. Wow. So I worked so hard. I was so disappointed. And, uh, but, you know, I didn't make an excuse. I just said, you know what? They screwed up. Their mistake. I'll show them. And uh, so that summer, I put on a little bit over 100 pounds in my squat. And then the year after, they had like a follow up tournament for 16 year olds. And at that point I made a team and, uh, I uh, led that tournament in scoring. Wow. So, so that was from one year to the next. And part of that too is, you know, when you're 15, 16, you start growing a little bit. Sure. And so I probably hit puberty and, and, uh, all the right things, but, uh, it was just a matter of, taking that disappointment and turning it into something positive. So uh, so that in turn got me invited to tryouts for the national team. And so that's when I was 17 the next year. And I made it to the top top 40. Okay. And uh, uh, when we had to try out to the top 40, my first game there, I was – facing off against Michael Nylander <laughs> and he made me look like a complete jackass <laughs> three face outs in a row and then the coach put me on the wing from center and, and uh, that was pretty much it they just gave up on me right away <laughs> oh brutal <laughs> yeah so it was uh, that was that was pretty tough uh, I mean at some point, I was pretty happy making it, you know, that far. Uh, but I had enrolled in a hockey high school at the time, too, where uh, on top of the schoolwork, we have 12 hours of hockey scheduled uh, weekly. Wow. So, so three days a week, we had four hours of hockey in the morning. That's a pretty grueling schedule for and, anyone, I think. Yeah, and, and part of that, too, is uh, you're doing a lot of uh, hockey theory. And uh, we did weight training. We did a lot of just uh, skill work. Huh. And that was a, a great year for me because it really helped me out. And now, was, were these schools, um, did you have to pay for them? Or like was this no, like a private no. prep school? Yeah, I moved. Uh, I moved fifty miles up north, so I was sixteen and lived by myself for the first. Wow, wow. Okay, so they so, get you in there early. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and then for for Canadians, that's no big deal, and and uh, for for Americans, that's at least for the time that was more unusual. Right. 
now you got the national development team and and all that are kind of on the same lines, but it's more specialized and it's, it's a very small group of guys get that opportunity. Over there, it's just basically every high school in, in Sweden have that opportunity. Interesting. To, uh, to have, and it's it's not just hockey; it's virtually every sport. So it gives um, elite competitors a chance of, of uh, really fine tuning their skills on top of the club teams to play for. Right. Awesome. And- but again. There's nobody talking about, hey, did you guys win that, uh, you know, the regionals last year? <laughs> no, that's just about seeing improvement and getting better every day. And that's something they talk about all the time. Nobody ever really talks about about outcome. Right. And Even though it is like. Here, until we get to that point where we can do that over here, we're not going to see the same rate of, of development as, as they do over here. Sure. Yeah, I mean, Polly, I mean, even in, and Polly can speak to this because, you know, you went to a private school, though it wasn't like a, um, it wasn't a, a sport centered school, but like, you know, even in high, because that's 16 years old, you're a sophomore. And even in this small town uh, that you grew up in, Polly, I mean, competition was everything, right? You played football and, and, uh, and, and hockey. So, I mean, everybody wanted to know who was winning, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much all it came down to, um, shortening the bench was a, a very regular thing. Um, I was actually going to uh, comment how Steph, you said you're, you know, a late bloomer. Um, I myself, oh, and, and troll was saying that too. I myself didn't, uh, I, I made most of my big improvements after high school and my, my line of thought was like, Oh, why does it matter now? Because I've already played all the hockey that matters anyway. So that just kind of like shows the, the thought process that was drilled into my head that hockey sports at a younger age are all about competition instead of development. Right. Right. And I, I guess you get to a certain point where competition is important, but I, I don't know when that is. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't because it's kind of individual. I guess when the kids start getting to, I don't know, 13, 14, it's kind of important they start getting a little bit better competition. But it's still, what matters is what you do at home. Sure. But certainly by the time you're 16, you, you, you need to start facing some better competition somewhere. Right. Um, and then so get, take us to the point where you graduate high school. or or And, and I, so I know you, you played a, uh, a year in juniors in Canada, right? Right. Were you still in high school at that point? Yeah, that's right. No, I had uh, graduated high school. My last year of high school, I played my first year of professional hockey. So I played uh, Division One in Sweden. Okay. And uh, so I moved down from up north down to the southern parts of Sweden. And that's when I was 17, just about turning 18. And, and, and they paid you? That was professional? So... Well, I played college afterwards, so you can't do that, right? Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so I played two years of Division One over there, and, and uh, uh, after my second year, then uh, one of the guys I played with 
He's a Canadian goaltender. I went to see him over the summer there in British Columbia. And we were out late one night, and he saw a coach who coached a junior team, uh, or an old teammate, I should say, call him just to catch up. And Pete uh, said, hey, there's a guy that may want to talk to you, may want to come over and play next year. So we talked for a while, and I had a couple of uh, beers in me. So, <laughs> so I said, sure, I'll come over and play next year. <laughs> and he called me again the next day and said, were you serious about it? I said, yeah, I think so. And so, well, you got to make up your mind. And I think this was like now Sunday and I was flying back home and it was Monday. And uh, I said, you got to make up your mind right now. So I said, sure. And, and I left on Wednesday. And uh, that was a phenomenal year in British Columbia. I loved it up there. Yeah, and, um, you know, you had a pretty successful year, obviously. I mean, well, you know, I think uh, if I was looking, I think you'd scored like 60 points, something like that. I mean, you were, you were lighting it up pretty much, right? Uh, I think I had 119 points. I had 57 goals that year. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and, but part of that, I had already played against men for two years. Right. And I was going <laughs> to play tier two juniors, so it was a little bit different. Sure. Um, and then when it, once I got there, it was then we started talking about college. I'd never even thought about it before. So, so we had I had a pretty good season. So I had uh, some decent amount of choices uh, and, for going to school afterwards. So, what made you uh, choose Providence? Uh, I love their assistant coach and. Uh, of course, he left uh, in the middle of the summer to take a job with Ron Wilson, and, and uh, I think it was for the Capitals at the time. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, so the guy recruited me that I, you know, thought was a phenomenal coach. He left before I even started school over there. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> those are the things that happen, right? Right, right. Can't control it. So did you enjoy your uh, college hockey experience? Uh, I I did and I didn't. It was – college hockey was all about uh, about speed and not so much thought. And, and uh, we practiced, you know, a lot. And it was – I don't know. I was used to practicing a lot. But once we got to college, we had it was pretty fanatic. I mean, I know at times so where night before a game we practice for three hours. Wow! So our coach liked us to be tired before games. <laughs> so, so that was a little bit different. And I, I don't know, watching college hockey, I love watching, but playing it, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of it but again now it's a lot more different now they understand that it's a recruiting base for the NHL too there's a lot more guys um, going to play in the NHL from, from college than they were back then so now they're, they're, the style of game has changed a lot sure and I think I would like it a whole lot more now 
than the way it was back then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think even in the past decade, there's been a huge turn in, um, you know, ideology, like you're saying, it's, it's about nutrition. It's about, you know, mental health. I mean, everything about <clears throat> being prepared to play the sport at, at the top physical peak, you know, and top mental capabilities. Whereas before it was just like, you know, you had, you had a bad game, you just get bagged forever and then be tired and, and probably hurt for the next game. You know what I mean? Wow. You still there? Mm-hmm. I lost. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting too is our coach told us all the time that uh, um, if this is a job, you guys got to focus, you got to, you know, earn your paycheck, your scholarship. He used to tell us that all the time. I wanted to go and play professionally. I don't think I ever heard that. It would, it would run the opposite. It would be like, uh, hey, you guys aren't working nine to five. It's a pretty good way of making a living. So, right. A little bit different. And, and that's why I guess most people don't understand how much time you're putting in in college on, on your athletics. It is a full-time job. At that point. Sure. I mean, um, Polly and I played just club sports in college, and that was quite a bit of time dedication on top of, like, studying. Um, uh, so, I mean, did you uh, – what did you major in in college? Did you – because I know now you're a financial planner. So, did you uh, – did you uh, major in, in finance? Uh, business marketing. Okay. But, you know, same time, I, I know my first year, it was basically hockey and, and, and studying. That was it. I did nothing but, but that entire year. Uh, gotcha. I mean, I could, I had taken English in school, and, and it's a little bit different from, from reading and, and comprehending what you're, what you're reading. So, it was it was definitely a challenge for me academically the first year, and then once you go through that first year, I think uh, things eased up quite a bit. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, but um, that was a, definitely an added challenge for me. It was a language barrier. Sure. Because uh, I mean, you speak. I think most people probably would barely detect an accent in you now, but uh, you must have been pretty raw coming over i mean in was english taught pretty extensively i mean enough that you could at least communicate in sweden yeah no for sure and 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 i think right now like uh, anyone who goes over there most people talk talk english over there right we started in, in third grade and and now i think they start in second grade so so it's always a big part of the curriculum over there but it's still you go from just casually talking to having to learn and, and translating words from Swedish to English and, and then to understand what that word means. So yeah, that's, that's, it's a bit of a challenge. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I literally would have no idea how that, um, I mean, that struggle, I mean, it must be, it, it was probably pretty, uh, pretty hard because I mean, I've never had to be confronted like with anything like that. Uh, I don't know about you, Polly, but, uh, uh, you know, the, the only time I had any issue with a foreign language was when I got drunk and lost in uh, Reykjavik at three in the morning, because uh, it's, uh, I, I don't know a lick of Icelandic and everybody spoke English the whole trip until I was lost in the capital city. But 
Uh, that's about the only time I really had a language issue. <laughs> that's that's a fun nice. city too. I think I've done the same thing over there. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it's a blast. Good stuff. So so you finished school, um, you finished college at Providence, and uh, I mean, do you get drafted, or I mean, what happens to get you into the ECHL? So uh, I got myself an agent and. Uh, basically trying to get tryouts and I was able to get a tryout to uh, Milwaukee in the in American League okay and I was there for I guess a week got caught right before the first game and oh, really? uh, then I got shipped to uh, to Richmond and I got cut from Richmond after a week <laughs> so so I went back to, to Providence, and my agent told me to just sit around and, and be patient and wait for it, and things would open up. And you know, I I just finished school; I didn't have any income, so I was getting to panic a bit. Right. So, <laughs> so I just went up to his office one day and started, you know, asked what I could do if I could cold call or send out facts to every team. So that's kind of what I did. And then uh, one of my buddies had played with Peter LaViolette in Providence the year before. So the night before Wheeling's first game uh, that year, uh, he finally invited me to come play in Wheeling. So okay. I drive, drove all night and got here in time for a pregame skate. And then we played in, uh, in date at night. So, um, so things happen fairly quick at that point. Awesome. But even then, it's not like you make it. I mean, we went through, I think, like 60 guys my first year in Wheeling. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I was like new guys all the time. And my first game there, I had, I mean, I had a decent college career. I scored decent amount of points. I had pretty good senior year so I guess I consider myself somewhat skilled <laughs> my first game against Dayton I was on the first line probably because they didn't know anything about me they just want to you know, try to hide me somewhere <laughs> okay and, uh, but I had, a, I had a good first period I, I had one goal that was disallowed for being in the crease and, and uh, created some chances so <laughs> In first and second period, we're uh, in the locker room, and coach comes in and told us, you know, a uh, thing about, or two about our effort. And then he said, Hey, Bernier, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> think you're so fucking skilled, guys? It's not what we fucking got you. <laughs> so I'm like, So I'm sitting there, I'm like, Oh, fuck. I you know, more points than most guys on the team last year. So what the fuck? <laughs> so, so first shift. Second period, I, I went out and I fought a guy who turned out at the time, I, I guess, is the toughest middleweight in the league. And, <laughs> and I ended up, I wouldn't say knocking him out, but I knocked him down. I hit him pretty good. Yeah. So, so after that, I was kind of, I guess that was my role. Huh. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and it was pretty funny because 
we were sitting on a bus like 60 games in my first year. And Lavi called me up in, in the front of the bus. And he goes, he goes, Steph, you're pretty good fucking stats in college. What happened? <laughs> and I swear to God, that was the first time he even fucking looked at my stats. And and back then, too, like you couldn't really rely on the, on the stats. I mean, they had something similar, similar to Hockey DB, but it wasn't published anywhere. And it was like by subscription and and. Nobody really knew any anybody's official stats, right. except for that year, and if guys had been playing the pros before. You can kind of go over before every game and see who's got the pins. Right. That's about it. So, <laughs> so that just shows you. <laughs> but uh, so, so my style of game changed quite a bit, and and uh, I just did what I had to do to stay in the game. That's all. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny that, uh, I feel like that's, that's a story of a lot of people or a lot of players that, that kind of turn into quote unquote fighters is that, you know, they're skill guys. And then there's that one moment where they fight somebody, they win. And then it's just like, okay, well that's, you know, especially back in the day, you know, that's your role now. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. There's and, a few guys and, and. I guess most of them are from Saskatchewan or <laughs> around there or Newfoundland that, that really enjoys that part of the game. <laughs> but for most other guys, it's kind of necessary evil. Right. Right. I mean, uh, I'm sure you didn't look forward to fighting anyone or, or did you? I mean, that was that was not something you wanted to do, right? No. And, and most of the time it just kind of happens. Right. You know, for one reason or another. And, and it's, it's not like it is when it, in the movies where they tap on the shoulder. It's just, it's the awareness of, of when it needs done. Sure. And uh, sometimes you knew it was going to happen. And, and and that's when I understand those guys would uh, get, you know, the, get drug problems and alcohol problems. And, and when you know that's what you got to do every day when it, when the, and especially in the NHL, if that guy that you got to fight tomorrow is Stu Grimson or Bob Probert, <laughs> right? <laughs> that would that would make you a little nervous. Yeah, yeah, no and, doubt. Uh, and I've had those nights too. I mean, it, you knew what was going to happen the next day, and and kind of go over in your head a lot. And it's uh, definitely uh, get on your nerves a bit. Sure, um, you know, I mean. Uh, and and did you play a top line role? I because I I actually unfortunately never got to see you play in the ECHL. Were you a top liner? or Were you kind of up and down the lineup? Um, you know how what was that like? I could pretty much play anywhere, and I did. So they kind of used me anywhere, wherever I was needed. Yeah, interesting. So in general, my my stats in the in the coast will tell you I'm probably a third liner. So <laughs> uh, but, I wasn't going to say. It. And, <laughs> but there were times like when I was in in Roanoke, uh, I started out on the first line, and, and uh, I played with a guy, Michael Michelli, that I was top scorer in the league, and, and uh, I played with him in college as well. And Rick Kowalski was the third guy on the line, and we had, I guess, you know, great chemistry. And, and but after like so many games, the coach was like, "Hey, uh." Chicago's fucking pissed, you know. They want their guys 
playing a top <laughs> line and, and uh, you see you got some fucking clown there who's scoring no points. Right. So so he told me that. <laughs> and uh, so he said, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to move you, but, but fuck, you're not uh, scoring any points. I'm like, yeah, but we're playing pretty fucking good, I thought. He said, yeah, yeah, we're going to try some other guy. So, so that's, kinda, <laughs> that's how it goes, too. There's, a little bit of politics. There's usually, yeah, there's usually some other organization, too. That will, and there's agents harping on them all the time. Hey, my fucking guy was drafted in the second round, and this fucking schmuck with four <laughs> points this year is playing on the, on the line ahead of him. What the fuck? So <laughs> those things go on all the time. <laughs> um, uh, dude, that's that's awesome. Uh, thanks for that insight. Um, I guess, you know, we had some questions, uh, you know, Polly, I know you had a question about, you know, like uh, other players that Steph's seen. So, you know, you want to ask him? Yeah. Well, first, I'll, while, while we're on the, the topic of some of your nailer stories, I, you know, I grew up in Wheeling and uh, I was younger when you, you started. Um, but seeing some of the old videos and stuff, I just want to know, um, were the were the fans still pretty crazy when you got there in the 90s? I know it's kind of fizzled out recently, but. At least when you started, was where that was the the community still behind you pretty tough? Yeah, it was was down and normalized a bit when I when I got there because I got there second year of the Nailers after the Thunderbirds. Yeah, so right. so that craziness I was never really a part of. Okay, and I know that was the guy said it was a, a ton of fun. You know when the entire community was involved and and it was new. Yeah, they were the shiny new toy. Right, right. Yeah. But, you know, it was a whole different era, though. Like, the the craziness that just went on all the time was just insane. Like, when you look at it now, like when it's, you went on the road and things happening. And, like, if some of those things happen now, it would be worldwide stories, you know? And those are just everyday things. You have right. any uh, any stories that you could share that aren't, Something that would get you in trouble, right? Self-incriminating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> like one funny story was we we my first year we played in in, uh, in Hampton Road in the playoffs, and Hampton Roads was coached by uh, Brophy. So, so whenever you played any of Brophy's team, you knew you never want to beat him by like three or more. Because <laughs> if you beat him by three or more, all hell was going to break loose. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and they had a guy, um, uh, sure, um, Magic, big boy. I mean, about as tough as they come. And the entire game, like you go out there, and they had like seventy five hundred people. It was still crazy there. They had a lot of people, and and all they wanted was fights. So, <laughs> so we're playing them, and, and the entire game, the crowd keeps screaming for Magic to get in the game, and Rolf is ignoring them for once. So finally, it's in the third period, and I'm coming off a shift, like, I don't know, 45 seconds. And okay. they start playing this song, like, do you believe in magic? So <laughs> so the crowd goes fucking crazy, right? And so they're putting magic out there. So I'm like, well, fuck, I got lucky because I'm coming off a shift <laughs> on the bench. And, uh, and Lavi goes, hey, uh, you can play another one. Oh. I'm like, I go, I go, fuck off. He goes, left wing. Oh. I'm like, 
well, fuck, magic's the right way. So, so we line up, and 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 he's just fucking immense, and and I uh, had a reputation, and I look over at him, I look, I go, uh, hey, what's up? And he doesn't say a fucking word. I'm like closing my eyes. I'm like, oh fuck. <laughs> so he just tapped me on the pads, and and. Then he skated up and down the ice and came off. He didn't even fight anybody. He was just pissed. He didn't get played till the third period. Yeah. So he came off the bench and he goes, fuck you, bro. I'm not fucking fighting for you. So, so that was it. I got lucky that time. But, uh, but the, good, the good story, we played him in the playoffs. So we had a pregame skate in the morning. And as usual, Brophy's team ran over. So, so the skate's between... 10, 11 o'clock. Wow. It's now fucking 11.05. And we're supposed to go on. And he's still skating his guys. So we had a tough guy, uh, Ryan Pisiak, who we had traded for late in the season. And that was a guy who loved his role on the team. <laughs> and he was fucking huge. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, uh, he fit the bill. <laughs> so... So he grabs the bucket of pucks and goes out on the ice. And we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> so he goes out on the ice, drops the puck, <laughs> drops the pucks down, and starts fighting slap shot at Hampton Roads, who was on the other side of the ice. He starts firing at Brophy, starts firing at the guys. They start firing some pucks back. And we now have our whole team by the, by the door. And I'm like... Oh fuck! This is gonna get <laughs> ugly, all time ugly. And this isn't and even a game. There's a pregame skates in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so so Pizik's still out there, pisser call him, and he's still out there fucking firing slap shots. And Brophy finally goes, he blows the whistle, and he goes, "All right, boys, off the ice, right fucking now." <laughs> so the whole team goes off the ice. But. Uh, I mean, we had no coaches around. There was nobody around. Everybody were, in, you know, coaches were still back in the locker room and waiting for the practice to be over with, not thinking twice about it. <laughs> that's so, hilarious. <laughs> that's like that's one of the things you don't see uh, today much. Right. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff that brings you and the boys together too. Right. Nice, right. Nice, nice oh, bonding sure. experience. Yeah. No, it was awesome. <laughs> and. Uh, and he basically told him, I'm not fucking scared of you. Fuck you. And uh, we're going to run this out of you tonight. So. And how'd the game go? I can't remember. <laughs> not yeah, Those are just the details. I mean, those are the, it's the funny things you remember. Yeah, you remember the important stuff. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like when they go in tournaments with the 12-year-olds. And everybody thinks they're going to remember if they finish third or, or fifth. They just remember if they, uh, you know, played hockey in the hallways, right, and uh, had right. pizza after the games. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Knee, knee hockey in the hallway—that's that's the best Correct, part of right. the trips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. Absolutely. Um. So I mean, who who? And we got to ask you this because you know we're just plugs ourselves, but you know. Who who's the best player that you ever played with, like on your team, that you got to see consistently, or at least for a while? Uh, well, I played with uh, 
Michael Renberg and Thomas Holmstrom all the way growing up. Wow. So Thomas played what, like 15 years in Detroit. Right. And, uh, and Michael, no, he was team captain in Tampa Bay, played in Toronto. He played in the Legion of Doom line with Lynn Ross and LeClaire. Right. So, so those are two pretty good players that I grew up with. <laughs> yeah. I'd yeah. Holmstrom, so. he's a cup winner, right? Multiple cups. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah that's, I'd say that's pretty good. Like four. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, his kid got baptized in the Stanley Cup. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool, very cool. Um, well, then I guess who's who's the best player that you ever played against? Like just some guy that, that you know, every time you saw him just, you know, dummied you. Uh, well, I played against uh, Paul Correa in college. And that was another guy who made me look absolutely silly and stupid <laughs> we had we talked about how fast he was beforehand and the first time i had a face off against him he just took the puck and, and got a shot shot on that <laughs> and i i never even saw it coming i mean you talk about a guy about about as quick as gretzky was right or maybe quicker i mean it was just something else to see that's that's yeah, and he's about your size too, right? You guys are pretty. I mean, physically, as far as frame goes, oh. you guys are pretty even. Yeah, except for he was probably like 150 pounds and five foot seven, maybe. <laughs> so you're just, even bigger, just a little yeah. guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was towering over that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's right. always the little guys that are most annoying because they're so hard to to pin down and hit, especially if they're yeah, quick. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're not good, too. I mean, you see it on TV, but then when you face it, it's just a whole different level of speed. Right. There's a level of speed you can teach and, and be taught and, and train for, and then and there's the other speed. Right. The God-given one. <laughs> Correct. Right. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, uh, you know, growing up in, in Sweden, you know, did you have an NHL team? Like, did you follow the NHL? Like, what was the, the I guess – pro teams, the guys that you looked up to? You basically follow whatever team that was on at two in the morning. <laughs> right. <laughs> the few times they ever showed it. I mean, we had, we had two TV channels and, and uh, it was like, I don't know, two or three NHL games a year that they showed. That was about it. Wow. But, but my favorite player was always uh, Boris Salming in Toronto when I grew up. Mm-hmm. He was from... Uh, like five hours north from where I'm from, and and uh, it's just the first Swedish player to really uh, stay in the league, right? And really had to <laughs> go through some really tough times as the first European player, and and getting tested every, basically every night, and just treated differently from everybody else. So right, and that was probably the toughest player I've ever seen. No so doubt. growing up then, um, it's mostly, you know, is it the, the Swedish Pro League and like Team Sweden? Is that mostly where people focus their hockey viewership on? Yeah, yeah, uh, especially growing up. That, that's all there was to it. And I don't know when when they started showing NHL games. That probably wasn't until, I'd say, early 90s. And that was right around that time when I when I moved over here, so. Gotcha. I kind of missed that 
part. Right, right. <clears throat> well, um, you know what? I mean, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, you know, Steph, thanks again for for hitting us up. Oh, one last thing, you know, that you'd said about, you know, psalming. I mean, by the time you hit the uh, the ECHL and things, was there a lot of, I guess, I mean, prejudice against European players? I mean, you know, there's always that. Even now, it's like, oh, he's Euro trash. He's soft. You know, he's just hands, you know, whatever it may be. Um, do you uh, did did you have to battle that at all? Uh, in a little bit different ways. It was more like when, especially my first coach at, at Providence College, it was pretty funny because he was trying to explain uh, a trap. And <laughs> he's like, yeah, I know it's going to be tough for you because, uh, you know, in Europe, all you guys do is just offense and, and, uh, you probably never played anything like this. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? That you're talking about like the Czech Republic, right? Sweden. We're the ones starting the fucking trap. Like, <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> that's what I grew up with, and right. they're just uh, there's still so many uh, guys out there that can't tell the difference between different countries over there and, and, and different styles of play. So, so I said the Czechs, and and I'm sure you got placed in. in in Czech too, where you know they're uh, really strict with how they play the systems, and and of course nowadays it's kind of like everybody has access to the same information, and, and you're losing some of that uh, nationality specific um, traits, if, if you will. Right. Because now everybody watches YouTube and they see what the top guys are doing all the time. Sure. Interesting. But, but uh, I got some, uh, but not not a whole lot. It was probably more in British Columbia my first year, and but after that it was no big deal. There were other guys that had to fight that battle, but it wasn't me. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's uh, like Boyer, for example. I mean, that, that he had to fight all the toughest guys in the NHL all the time, and he this guy didn't know how to fight and. and Never wanted to. I mean, it was the best defenseman in the NHL. Right. And, and they wanted him to fight every night. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. And that's it, it's funny because there's a lot of, you know, uh, on other podcasts and things, smaller skilled defensemen have come out and, you know, talked about how they're, when they were coming up, all their coaches wanted to do was um, basically try to bully people. But they, they'd say, like, you know, um, I would, I, I would do it, but I would just, it wasn't, it didn't play to my game. You know, you're just trying to make right. me be somebody I'm not. Right. And, you know, at some point I probably should have told myself the same thing. Like, you know, I'm probably better off trying to be a more skilled type player, but, but the reality was I had to do what I had to do to stay in the game. And, and of course you're still hoping every year that you got to get a shot somewhere, but uh, it didn't happen for me, but, um, you kind of fall into to a role, and and that's where you walk. Sure. Unless things change drastically for you, and and you're gonna change change your pace or change move up somewhere, and they want you to play a different style or give you the confidence to play a different style. That's not gonna change. Right. Yeah, and I, I can understand how that's a really hard transition to make because if you spent three years, you know, 
being a brawler or, you know, racking up those pims, you don't even have anybody, you don't really have any game footage from anywhere else to even, to, to reference like, hey, but I can also, you know, dangle and snipe, you know what I mean? Yeah, and then one thing I always struggle with was, you know, I can play, I can play tough and I can play finesse games, but I can't combine it. <laughs> I just love, I like the capacity of, of, of uh, you know, changing it within the same ship or uh, probably within the game. I can, but uh, I had a little bit tougher time, like getting adjusted to the, to the flexibility of, of doing both. So that was never a strong part of my game. Right. Well, yeah, you know what, man? <clears throat> I mean, uh, you had a great career. Um, you're an awesome dude. I really appreciate you coming on uh, and talking to us, spending an hour with us. Um, and really kind of, I, I mean, Polly, I opened my eyes about, you know, how Swedes uh, play hockey and how the how the whole system works. Uh, Paul, you got any other questions for stuff? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I think it it'd be nice if team or if USA hockey would adopt that philosophy. Um, cause obviously it works. Uh, but right. yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming on Steph. I, I enjoyed it. All USA hockey cares about is revenue and, and protecting against liability. That's all. <laughs> they couldn't give a shit about development. That's not on, on their radar. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, no arguments for me. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've and, all been uh, through the system. I would, uh, I could. I would love to come on some other time and talk about some good stories too. We would love to have you. We had, we had a lot. Yeah, you know what? Um, absolutely. Uh, let's save that good content for another episode. <laughs> but yes, the invite is open. We'll have to hook up and uh, once this COVID thing's uh, blown over, you can come over and and we can do it live in the studio and drink some beers. Awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, before we go though, um, is there anything that you want to promote? Uh, you know, I, I, did, I forgot to ask you pre-show, uh, but if you want to, I mean, take a minute or so and talk about what you're doing, or if you want to, you know, free advertisement of, or whatever for for anything, um, go ahead, man. If there's anything. No, I can't. I can't talk about my job. I, I, you know, I want to talk about hockey anyway, and and I guess. On the hockey side in Wheeling, we, it's pretty exciting with a new build-up for Wheeling Park. Yeah. Uh, it's the second phase, and we're hoping it's going to be a third phase, too, on the build-out there, where, where we'll add another rink under under roof. Oh. It's not happening right now, but once we do, it's going to open up a lot of opportunities here. Right now, we're pretty limited to the amount of ice we have and uh, when we have the ice. Right. It's a pretty short season, so... Uh, that's, I guess that's one exciting thing about what's going on around here in the hockey community. Absolutely. That's that's awesome. That might really help with, uh, competing with Pittsburgh and bigger markets. Yeah. Right now I'm in, I know where we are. We're a great, uh, we're a great value program, but we have ice between October and, and March. So essentially our kids are missing at least two months of the season every year. Yeah. And right. That might not be a big deal year one, but over six years, you know, two two months of the year over six years, that's now a year of hockey that you're missing. Sure. So, yeah. So if you're trying to trying to get to play elite hockey at some point, pretty fairly early, you need to go to Pittsburgh. And for some reason, parents think that we get upset about that if they're talking about leaving. And 
I think it's great. I mean, if you're a good player who want to get a shot at it, you know, go to go to some good program in, in Pittsburgh and, and uh, make the best of it. Absolutely. And hopefully one day we'll have enough ice here where we can get competitive at that point in time too. But, but for now, we're the cheapest program there is. And uh, I think you get pretty good value for your money. But that's but you're not going to, unless you leave around 12 or 13 to go to Pittsburgh, you're probably not going to uh, be playing in, in college or any further. Right, right, right. Um, well, you know, and another thing, man, thanks a lot for all the, all the things that you do to, to spread your knowledge and, and, you know, you've been involved in youth hockey for the whole time that you've been in wheeling basically. And I know that there's tons of kids that you've taught that have gone on to do good stuff and, you know, just, you know, hockey aside been turned out to be good people. So, and, you know, at the end of the day, I know that's, that's the aim. So, uh, if, if kids can get some part of that hockey culture with them. I think that's fantastic. And, you know, that's, that's the greatest value with playing hockey, just being around great people. No doubt. Absolutely. Well, you know what, uh, let us let you get back to, uh, what, what you've been doing and, uh, and, and don't take up any more of your time, but absolutely. We will get you back in, uh, on the show, uh, maybe this summer or within the next few months, because, uh, you know, with depending on how the NHL goes, I mean, we're supposed to be covering them, but you know, we're we're obviously lacking content on that front. But uh, but man, thanks again for for coming on, and I uh, hope to talk to you soon. All right, anytime. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. See you, buddy. See you, man. All right, Caps fans, we hope that you enjoyed that interview with ECHL legend, Wheeling Naylor legend, Stefan Brunner. Uh, what a beauty that guy was, man. I mean, Paul, I, I really enjoyed that interview to see an insight as to, you know, someone who really knows hockey from st- many different perspectives, you know, European hockey, Swedish hockey, then college D1, Canadian juniors, and ECHL American pros. Yeah, he's been around. Uh, he's, you know, that's an opinion you can trust because he's gotten a taste of everything. Um, it, it, I, I really enjoyed the interview, and I look forward to having him on again. Uh, get some beers in next time. Maybe yeah. get some wild stories. Right, next time he won't be uh, doing his chores. <laughs> yeah, he won't be like laying grass seed or whatever he was doing, sticking his hand in that bag the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that was that. That's that's that. Uh, that's that uh, work ethic, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Caps fans. Until next time, it's Hockey Troll and Poly Cupcakes signing off. Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trollin' on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow me, Polly Cupcakes, on Twitter at Cupcake Polly. And follow the show's handle at caps chirp on twitter and instagram special thanks to the hockey podcast network at HockeyPodNet on twitter and the hockey podcast network.com the hockey podcast network every team everywhere check them out or we're not friends anymore <laughs>